Welcome to the Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of LRN's Principled Podcast. My name is Ben DiPietro. I'm the editor of LRN's ENC Pulse newsletter. I hope you can find it and subscribe. With me today is Patrick Eckert, General Manager of Roche Farmer Brazil. He's the head of the company's operations there. Hello, Patrick. Welcome, and thank you for your time today. Hi, Ben. Hi, everyone. Thanks very much for the invite. Happy to be here. We're going to spend a discussion mostly on COVID-19, but before we do, tell me about your career path and how you wound up leading Roche Brazil operations. Maybe let's start by the beginning by saying that I'm actually born in Switzerland 46 years ago uh, from a Swiss mother and a Mexican father. And as you can hear from there, there's already a kind of a mixture of cultures that uh, I had the chance to go through in my life. And that actually takes me to what I studied. I studied in Switzerland business administration. Uh, I did work for a few years o- over there. And then most likely the most important fact about my career overall is that I had really the chance to move around quite a lot of different parts of the world. Throughout the pharma career that I developed, I was able to live in countries like Mexico, Brazil, where I am now again, but also in Sweden, in the U.S., and in the Middle East and Africa, which really uh, helped me to obviously get to know different cultures, different ways of working. And that's a little bit how uh, I was also able to adapt to different, uh, different environments that helped me to get to where I am now, leading the business of the, the pharma uh, division uh, of Rush in Brazil. As the company's leading executive there, how important do you see ethics and strong, engaged, inclusive, and transparent cultures in creating the foundations for financial success? You know, Ben, financial success for me is uh, directly linked to a little bit uh, some of uh, what we called the healthy and sustainable way of doing business. And for that specifically is how we actually engage ourselves in anything that we do that we think might have an impact on not only the society, but the ecosystem that we work in. And obviously, most likely at the end for the patients, which is a little bit what we talk on a daily basis at Rush, not only in Brazil, but worldwide. We tend to always link anything we do to the needs of the patient in in the ecosystem itself. And for that, what we do actually is normally we create the environment that gives the ability to people not only to speak up, but also to kind of put their ideas to discussion so that we can decide of what's best, uh, not only for the company, but most likely also for the, the different players that work around us and try to adapt that to the needs that are coming up. And, uh, and I think that that is the recipe for having a company that stays behind uh, one vision. And, and our vision is very genuine. It's doing now what patients need next. And when you hear that, And actually, that was also my reaction the first time when I was uh, pitching for the job is is something very strong. It's something that 
really creates a relation between employees and the company on how deep each of us need to get involved so that we can really make a difference at the end of the journey. No matter where you are, in which part of the business you work, it's very easy to see yourself adding value to this way of of looking at how the company can make a difference over time. How often do you communicate messages of ethical behavior, messages of assuring people that it's safe to speak up and raise concerns, and messages that endorse transparency and accountability? You know, Ben, let me let me maybe uh, reinforce one thing that is important. It's about the values uh, that we actually pursue at Rush, which is courage, integrity, and passion. And through those three values that are actually worldwide, well-known within the Rush environment, they actually give us a little bit kind of the North Star on how people uh, should not only behave, but how how much openness we give to them so that they can ask open questions whenever they have a doubt. And one of the, the main rules that we put uh, into the discussion in the different forums that we're creating, not only at a manager level, but at different other levels also, is if you have any doubt on something that you're doing for the first time, or something that you see that could have uh, an impact that we don't want to, then ask the question. And and those forums are actually done on a pretty frequent basis. I I can give you a few examples of those where actually myself and my direct reports, we tend to have every second month uh, what we call a dialogue with the Brazilian enablers team, which is obviously the people that are leading the, the different parts of the business. And there we actually ask for the people to raise the topics that are on their mind. Uh, we obviously tend to try to balance those topics between uh, the daily needs of the business, but we always always include a few things that we think might be uh, in need of being reinforced. And it has a lot to do uh, with uh, messages about ethics and how we want people to behave and how we want people to feel uh, responsible in the name of the company wherever and whatever they do. Let's talk a little bit more specifically then about COVID-19 and what's happening right now. What is the company's plan of action going forward now as it pertains to employees, to customers, to helping the government and public health agencies? How are you working with hospitals and healthcare providers? And how much collaboration is there within the industry with companies that are normally your competitors? I can give you several examples. So one one thing that I I want to make you aware of is that since last year, we have been working on bringing the company up to speed on on agile methods of working, uh, empowering much more people and and smaller groups of people to work more by themselves and also for them to have the opportunity to come up with uh, new ideas, out-of-the-box thinking ideas that would somehow lead a little bit the past of of a more hierarchical company and that wants to obviously boost innovation and boost uh, ideas that somehow in the past might have been lost uh, through the way. And and that's that's a little bit the basis on how we actually entered into the COVID-19 momentum. And that helped us a lot, uh, Ben. That's the reason why I put this as as kind of the starting point. Because immediately after uh, we were entering to the COVID-19 period, self-directed teams were created by the people that were working on different other projects. And we have different fronts of those. Um, So there was one specifically looking at how we can actually help society in general 
Uh, and in Brazil, we have a lot of social differences surrounding us. So there was a need of looking at uh, in the neighbor in the neighborhood where we actually operate, there is actually a community uh, that was suddenly in, in high need of getting food and, and, and basic stuff, uh, sanitary stuff. Uh, and we decided to raise a fund uh, for that so that uh, we could help them obviously to uh, to respond to those very important needs in in this moment. Um, there was a, there was another front that was looking at clinical trials, and uh, as we were learning from China and and, and some of our colleagues over there, uh, one of our products has been used there for high risk cases of COVID nineteen. We immediately went into seeing how we could develop also a clinical study here in Brazil with different entities locally to actually test the same product here to see if. Uh, it would be applicable also for those high-risk patients, and, and that's something that is ongoing as we speak. Then we have all uh, our diagnostics colleagues that are working on the testing part, and, and they have been also very active on, on looking how we can actually adapt more of the machines that are processing the tests here uh, so that we can further enhance the support to the system overall. We, we got uh, one of those tests approved very recently, and, and now we are... We're training the staff to get those tests to be able to be processed on the machines that are available here in Brazil. Uh, and, and together, obviously, with some of our competitors, because we're not the only ones, we actually created a cohort where we look at geographies where there's a need of supporting with additional testing options. And that's a little bit how we are actually nowadays collaborating in between ourselves, no matter if this is a competitor, but just looking at what the needs are that the government and the population in general uh, has. And, and last but not least, we are obviously working on enhancing the production of, of those kits, those uh, tests that uh, I was uh, dis- discussing before. Some of them are done in specific machines. And we brought also some additional kits here, which can be adapted in any type of machines. And those are the ones that we're working now and expanding them into the Brazilian market, together with the Ministry of Health, obviously, so that uh, hopefully very soon we will have a higher number of people tested here in Brazil. And as we have been learning from other markets, we see that this is the solution for us also to think about a plan on how we can come back uh, sooner than later after this, uh, yeah, I would say difficult experience where everybody was kind of taken a little bit by surprise. It's really great to see companies that normally compete very hard with each other come together when it matters for the benefit of the public and the world that way. So kudos to you guys for that. How much of your workforce worked mobile before COVID-19? What percentage would you say is working mobile now? And talk a little bit about the transition, some of the challenges that you had to deal with to get everybody on board. Most of our field force and and the customer-facing part has been normally used to go really and visit in the hospitals. So since uh, March 16, we have been transforming that team to become uh, much more online and an online team. We had to obviously adapt a little bit also to the way our counterparts, so the hospitals, the physicians, uh, needed for themselves also to adapt their daily routines. And actually, it has developed a lot uh, in the last few weeks because we created actually a network where we can not only continue to provide medical update to those specialists, but we can create actually groups, virtual groups of interaction 
that probably in the past we never thought of because we were more working uh, by cities or by regions. So a lot, a lot of great learnings are coming out of that. So we have about 90% of our people uh, now working from home. Uh, and that 10% left are really the people that need to be on the field, that need to be close to our customers. For example, the people that to take care of the machines that process the testing, because those machines need obviously services and they need uh, uh, to be reliable, especially now. So those are uh, uh, the few people that we still have on the field. We have a few people from the IT department that uh, are taking care in our site of the, the logistical part to be able to have everyone connected uh, remotely. And then we have obviously our production site in, in Rio de Janeiro, which uh, has, been taking, uh, has been taking new measures to have uh, turns of less people. And we're trying obviously to help them to maintain the minimal production that is needed so that there is, there is not going to be any patient left with no medicine during this period and after this period especially because we produce uh, medication in that, in that facility that goes for Brazil and also for Latin America. So, so there, there's different turns of people now working to help us to obviously uh, keep the production to the needs of the population in general. Let's get out of here with this last question then. How much effort is being put into preparing for a return to the workplace versus dealing with the immediacies of what's happening with the virus? How are resources being deployed to deal with what is happening? And what is expected to happen once the worst parts of this are over? We have a, a team already working on, on what's, what's coming up after the COVID-19 and looking at uh, how our realities would probably then have uh, changed. Because I do feel that there is a change that is happening uh, due to the whole COVID-19, uh, uh, I would set up. Uh, and we have people working on how we would need to take care of the people going back slowly into, into the usual ways of working. But we do also have another team looking at what can we actually keep as learnings from what the COVID-19 left us with, which is uh, more remote work that we uh, had to create, the different type of services that we were offering to the hospitals in a remote way, and see how much of that we can actually keep and, and, and sense from our customers how much of that actually uh, would serve them better in the future. So there's going to be a mix, a little bit of uh, what we used to do in, in the past and that is still needed because there is some of that, uh, that uh, work that needs to happen more in a face-to-face -face, uh, manner. But there is a lot of things that we are learning from as we speak on things that we can evolve and actually probably capitalize on for the future that will change a little bit more our day-to-day uh, interaction with our customers. And I'm even thinking about very simply the way the way we do medical education. I don't think it will stay uh, the same as in the past where we thought that medical education needed to be always face-to-face -face and that we needed to take all the physicians into the same room. It's actually pretty practical. And, and, and I think the digitalization that we have been working with has, has brought a lot of benefits for having more people connected of having different people from different parts of the country and even with some external speakers from outside of Brazil connected. So I think our reality will change quite a lot, Ben. And, uh, and I hope that this uh, would be a little bit the taste that we would uh, remain with when we look back at what we learned with the COVID-19 experience. 
Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time today, Patrick. That was very interesting, and I wish you guys the best of luck going forward, and hopefully working together with all the other companies, we'll be able to find some solutions to uh, get us back to something approaching normal, if uh, not normal itself. But uh, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you again for the invitation, Ben, and uh, stay safe for all of you. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principled Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.